0: I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at Catherineplano.com. and as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is amazing stuff available for you, only if you sign up to the email list, and you can do that by going to katharineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, as always, we have a super amazing guest for you, Laura Vandercombe. Laura is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, and 168 Hours. She has appeared on numerous television programs, including The Today Show and CBS, This Morning and hundreds of radio segments, and has spoken about time and productivity to audiences of all sizes. Her work has appeared in publications, including The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company and Fortune. Her TED Talk, How to Gain Control of Your Free Time, has been viewed. More than 8 million times. She is also the co host with Sarah of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She hosts the every weekday morning podcast before breakfast featuring productivity tips designed to take listeners' days from great to awesome. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, this morning, uh, we have another special guest for you, Laura Vanderkam, all the way from just outside of Philadelphia. Welcome to I Am Woman Project.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So the way we love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Laura, how did you get to where you are today?
1: Um, well, let's see. Where am I today? <laughs> I'm uh, generally writing books and giving speeches and doing podcasts about time management and productivity. My mission is to help people realize that they can build the lives they want in the time that they've got. Um, I can't say this is something that I grew up as a child hoping to become. However, I did hope that I would be writing books and and sharing um, you know, performing in various ways. And so I'm happy to still be doing that. Um, I, you know, looking back, I've probably always been interested in efficiency and doing things well with our time, making the most of our time. Um, but began writing books about that topic about 10 years ago when I was, um, you know, became very interested in people's schedules and seeing how people successfully combined work and life, the people who weren't making those harsh trade-offs that people often think are required. So it was a just came out of that, and it's been a fun topic to write about. Mm, so how does one get
0: more uh, out of their time, like out of their day? Because I know time management is a, is a topic that we we have spoken about on the show before, and it's I think some of the points that we discussed was – um, and especially around work, it's it, people don't delegate enough. So it's really basically, like, um, if you, you can pull ourselves out of something and delegate it, that's another way of how we can um, buy more with our time or have more time on our, on our hands. So what are some of the tips for us to get more of our, de- more to- oh, listen to me, I'm getting all tongue twisted, more out of our
1: time? Well certainly delegating is a great idea. Um, There are plenty of things that other people can do and we should probably focus on the things that we uniquely could do best both at work and at home. Um, but there's really many ways you can free up time. Uh, the simplest way is just to not do things. Uh, there are many things that don't actually need to be done. Um, and, and so that's one way to free up time. You can also, of course, uh, choose to spend less time on certain things or do um, less thorough of, of jobs on, on various things. I call it you know, the, the three categories are to ignore, to minimize, or to outsource. Um, and, and so outsourcing is always an option and certainly at work people should learn to delegate we can learn to delegate on the home front too but I wouldn't want to write off ignoring and minimizing too because often those are the easiest things to do you know if you uh, are particularly frustrated by say spending a lot of time vacuuming you could just stop vacuuming see what happens I don't know
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but it will free up time so when you're saying ignore it's really learning how to say no more often I'm thinking Outsource. yeah whether
1: that's no to uh, other people, but sometimes it's just no to ourselves and our own sort of assumptions of what has to be done. Because, you know, there's very few things in life that absolutely have to be done. We may have stories we're telling ourselves about what, you know, everyone knows you have to do or so forth. But, you know, that's not always the the case. And then,
0: so obviously outsourcing. So, for example, like you were saying, vacuuming, we could outsource cleaning. What's the minimize piece?
1: Well, minimize is choosing to spend less time on things. So for instance, um, you know, one thing I tell people all the time is like email expands to fill the available space. So, you know, people are always looking for hacks to spend less time on email. The only way to spend less time on email is to choose to spend less time on email. Say I will check it from, you know, these two, say 45 minute blocks in my day. And other than that, I will not deal with it. Obviously, if it doesn't get dealt with in that time, it wasn't perhaps your highest priority. Um, but that would limit the time devoted to it as opposed to having it always be an option and bleed into all other times of life. Mm. So
0: Laura, I'm curious, what made you focus on time?
1: Well, I think it's a fascinating idea in that, I mean, life is lived in hours. Um, So whatever you do in your life is pretty much a function of how you spend your hours. And the really cool thing about that is that we all have the same amount of hours. Like everybody has 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. And so when you find people who are doing amazing things professionally, and then you find out they also have really cool personal lives too, it's not that these people have any more time than the rest of us. Now, I'm not saying they might not have other things going for them that the rest of us don't. They may be smarter, better looking, have other resources for them, but they don't have more time. And so time is a building block that we can all examine. Uh, and we may be able to look at how other people allocate their hours and, and learn from that. So what,
0: what what has been some of your findings? So when you're looking at somebody that you aspire to be like, uh, how are they allocating their time? What are some of the patterns you've seen?
1: Well, one of the most important is simply being intentional about your time and I mean being intentional about your time both professionally and personally um, you know, going into a work week, for instance, knowing what you would like to accomplish. What are the most important tasks for the week? Uh, as much as possible, front-loading the week, doing as many of them as you can Monday and Tuesday, because that way you either get to them before the emergencies happen, or you know if the emergencies happen Monday and Tuesday, you've got time the rest of the week to still make progress on, on these major goals. Um, being intentional about our personal lives matters too. So people will come home at 6 p.m., go to bed at 10.30, and not really have thought about how they're going to spend that time. I mean, if you have, kids, you sort of march through the routine of dinner, bath, and bed. And if you don't, maybe it's dinner and TV and and bed or something like that. But um, when people really think about it, that's when you see things like getting together with friends on a Tuesday night or, you know, one night during the week that you know, people have been saying, oh, I wish I had time to paint. These are the people who will pull out their easel and paints and, you know, paint for an hour and a half after the kids go to bed rather than using that time mindlessly for scrolling around on the web or watching TV or something like that. So I think really intentionality is is the best um, step toward really using time well. So I've
0: got two questions out of that conversation. You actually mentioned time log. So are we saying that we should be tracking our time? And if so, how?
1: Well, I track my time and I found it very useful. Uh, So time log is just a record of how you spend your time, exactly what it sounds like. Um, I track my time on these weekly spreadsheets that have the days of the week across the top and half hour blocks down the left hand side going from 5 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. Um, You know, I've actually been doing this for four years, which nobody else needs to do. I I just am sort of obsessed with the concept of time and I find it useful as I write about this topic. But I think most people could benefit from tracking their time for at least a couple days or ideally a week Um, because, you know, we have a lot of stories about how we spend our time and on closer examination, not all of them are true. Uh, and I think it's important to really understand the parameters of our lives before we become too wedded to these stories, you know, such as I have no free time whatsoever, or I work around the clock, or I never have time for anything fun, or you know, I never sleep, or various other things that um, we tend to tell ourselves when we are feeling overwhelmed or like we have a lot going on. Um, and, and so what you sometimes see then is it's not that you have no free time whatsoever, it's that you don't have as much free time as you want. You have some, but not as much as you want. But of course, none is a very different story from not as much as I want. I mean, not as much as I want is something you can do something about, right? I mean, you can figure out ways to scale it up or figure out good choices within that time. So it's really relaxing and rejuvenating. But, you know, none is just defeatist. So that's why I always recommend that people track their time. You want to make sure you know for sure where the time is going, um, because that way, if you are going to change something, you can be sure that you're changing the right thing. I love
0: that tracking your time. And I think that that kind of then, uh, leans into you being intentional with your time. And I bet you for those that are listening that actually start tracking their time, I'm curious to find out how much time they're actually spending on television and on their phones. What are your findings Uh, in that?
1: Um, well, it tends to be a lot. (laughs) I can tell you that, uh, you know, people thought that, um, the rise of other forms of communication technology would take away from television. But in fact, people are watching more, you know, a lot of television too. It's just, you know, often watch it on different devices now than in the past. Um, but there's a lot of time spent on social media. There's a lot of time spent watching, uh, programs, watching short videos, uh, things like that. Um, you know, many, uh, the iPhone, for instance, has a Screen Time function, so you can look this up. You can tell yourself how much time am I spending, and you know some of it's good. Like some of it, you have to do. You have to answer your work emails, although you may not need to spend as much time as you do on it. Um, there's some good things, like you know I read on the Kindle app on my phone, so some of that is reading time. But a lot of it just isn't, uh, and it's it's good to know these numbers. You know you can look without judging. Um, but once you know that you are spending, say, you know seven hours of your week on Instagram you can ask pertinent questions such as do I wish to be spending seven hours of my week on Instagram or is there maybe other things I'd like to do with perhaps a few of those hours
0: Mm. so what from your findings what do we spend most of our time on
1: well I wouldn't say that it's um the the biggest category for most people, individual category is sleep, of course, right? Because that's something you do pretty much every day for some number of hours. Um, the vast majority of people sleep at least seven hours a day. So the vast majority of people will log at least 49 hours per week, uh, sleeping. And that tends to be the biggest category of anything. Um, most people do not work, you know, 49, 50 hours a week. They tend to work fewer hours than that. Um, you know, the, if if you're getting at the question of what we waste time on, I mean, this is somewhat of a, uh, you know, it sounds like such a harsh word. And I, I guess I want to get away from wasting time because we all waste time. Like we all spend time on things that are not particularly meaningful or enjoyable to ourselves or the people we care about. And while it's easy to point to things like Instagram or, you know, pointless meetings at work and things like that, uh, I think the lack of intentionality is the biggest waste of time. Because that's what leads to, you know, you spending the time between, say, 6 and 10.30 p.m. on nothing you can remember, nothing that was particularly enjoyable, nothing that will stand out in the wash of time. It leads to people kind of not figuring out until, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday that they actually want to go do something, at which point, you know, they... And it's harder. It limits your universe of what you can get to at that point. Uh, You know, whereas if you would thought about it earlier and you would think, hey, we keep saying we want to go for a hike in that state park that's an hour away. Well, if you'd figured that out early enough, you could actually go and get the hike in and before it's dark. And so, you know, these are these are all this lack of intentionality leads to the biggest wastes of time.
0: I love that. and I think I'm very, I'm uh, not, I don't do it every day, but I, I do find that when I send, set an intention in my day, it seems to go a lot more smoother than when I don't send an intention and I feel like I'm just chasing my tail.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people find that. And it does, I don't mean schedule every minute. So, I, this is a false sort of critique a lot of people then raise is like, well, wh- I don't like to plan every minute of my day. Well, neither do I. I mean, and no one's suggesting that. But having a few intentions for the day, maybe three professional intentions for your work day, um, maybe one or two personal intentions for your time when you're not at work will make life feel pretty rich and full and yet only five things on your list for the day still leaves a lot of open space for whatever comes up or whatever you feel like in the end in the individual moment
0: Mm. so laura with your ted talk how to gain control of your free time did you want to uh talk us through that a little bit
1: Yeah, well, that was a fun opportunity. Uh, The the TED organization has has quite the reach. And so um, I think the vast majority of people who found me at this point came to me through watching the TED talk. Um, My mission in that talk was just to sort of introduce this idea of thinking about how we spend our time, thinking about the concept of having 168 hours in a week, and recognizing that you know i don't have time really means it's not a priority we we truly do have time for what matters to us um and i think approaching time from that perspective of abundance is so important i mean we can all point to parried moments of our lives here and there. And if you're intent on this story that I'm busied and put busy and put upon and a martyr or whatever else, you can always find three points of evidence leading to that conclusion. But if you want to draw a different conclusion, you could probably also find three points of evidence for that, too. So, uh, you know, I, I want people to think that they do have time for what matters to them. And by being, you know, a little bit more proactive about it, we can seize it and make big changes in our lives.
0: You've got, I saw on your website where you say, spend more time on the things that matter. Uh, is that, when I read that, I was thinking, is that for me to invest on in the times that lights me up, the things that I love, the things that I'm passionate about, and the things that don't light me up, maybe not invest time or even delegate those uh, aspects? What do you, what was the
1: actual meaning behind that? Sure, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I definitely think that um, we should aim to spend as much of our time as possible on things that feel meaningful and enjoyable for ourselves and the people we care about, right? That's a, a pretty good definition there of the things that will light us up. and now ev- you know obviously, in all our lives there are certain things that fall. you know we all wind up shopping for paper towels and such things that you know it's not exactly a particularly joyous event. Um, but as much as possible, um, trying to expand the space within our lives for these things that do matter to us and shrinking as much as possible the space that is devoted to things that don't really matter to us. And, you know, it's it's constantly this question of evaluating and seeing what works and what doesn't. And that's one of the reasons to try tracking time, because then you can say like, well, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on any given day and stuff I don't like, you know, is there something I can do about it? And maybe there isn't, you know, I'm not saying that all answers are incredibly easy to come upon. But, you know, if you set a goal that in like two years, I would like to be spending significantly less time on these things. I bet in two years you could make something happen, right? You know, we, we often overestimate what we can do in the short run and underestimate what we can do in the long run.
0: Mm, so for our listeners, um, Laura does have four children. And so, and they, and this is, when I actually looked at that, I was thinking, this is really interesting. When we're talking about time, quite often I hear people say, I want to spend more time with my family, but work always takes me away from my family and it's one of those things especially I find that I mean does it, it with a lot of the entrepreneurs and even like executives and leaders the inner corporation they are torn between home and work so what would be a piece of advice that you would like to share with them if somebody was in that in situation and really wanted to change their way of living
1: Well, it's another reason to keep a time log because you may be surprised. I mean, one thing that I find interesting, a lot of people and a lot of women in particular sort of discount some of the time they spend with their families because it isn't occurring at what you see as like peak hours. So, you know, I've talked to people who be like, oh, I never see my kids. And then they track their time and they're like, well, you know, your kid wakes up at like 5.30 in the morning, you leave for work at eight. It's like two and a half hours there. But because it's in the morning, you're not even viewing it as real time because it wasn't like 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Um, you know, I've definitely had people look at their logs and be like, wow, I used to feel guilt and I don't feel guilt anymore. Now that's not saying there aren't some people who, you know, manage to not spend time with their families. But, it, you know, often there are ways to do so. One thing to think about here, again, 168 hours in a week, if you work 40 hours, so a standard full-time job, and sleep eight hours a night, so that's 56 hours per week, this leaves 72 hours for other things. So it is quite possible that you might spend some of those 72 hours with your family. If you work 50 hours, you get 62 hours for other things. Again, you're probably seeing your family for some of those 62 hours, or you work 60 hours, you could see your family for some of the 52 hours. Now, I, you, know, you might need to be slightly creative, about moving work around a little bit in order to make it fit. And one strategy I've seen a lot of people do is that they use some of the control they have over their time to move work hours around. And so particularly if they have young children, they'll leave work at a reasonable time, you know, so before dinner, go home, spend their evenings with their kids, and then do more work at night after the kids go to bed. Um, And so they're still logging the long hours, but they're splitting it up so that they're trading off work time for what would be TV time as opposed to work time for family time. So when, when you do things like that, you can often work fairly long hours and yet still preserve family time. It's just you need to be flexible about when everything happens.
0: Mm, and I, can't, as you're talking, I just can't remember who it was where the eight hours sleep, eight hours work, and eight, eight hours fun. Um, and I just remember when I read that and I was looking at it, I was like, I actually just roughly in my head sort of calculated how many hours I have fun and there was no time, absolutely no time.
1: (laughs) Well, but interestingly, you say eight hours work, eight hours sleep, eight hours fun. That's only during the work week. Most people aren't doing that eight hours of work on Saturday and Sunday or whatever their days off are. So, in fact, on those days, it could theoretically be eight hours sleep, 16 hours fun. Um, But, you know, obviously we have other obligations. There, There are things we have to do that aren't, um, you know, in the, that wouldn't meet the definition of like pure adult leisure, but that doesn't mean they can't be pleasant. I mean, obviously there are ways you can choose to spend family time that might be more enjoyable. There are things you can do to sort of minimize time spent on housework and errands if you don't find those things pleasant. So while it might not be eight hours of pure adult fun, um, you can definitely probably find some time for adult fun in there and also do pleasant things within your, you know, the home and family obligations too.
0: I, I really love that. And I think that from that, um, I actually allocated time for me to, because I know you write a lot as well. You've got quite a few books and you write a lot of blogs. For me, I block out time to write. Um, otherwise, it doesn't happen. So I always say Sunday is my my uh, man cave day. I go into my cave and this is where I get creative and I write. So I actually allocate time. Um, even my husband and I, we have Friday nights is our date night. But if we, and we've only been doing that for about 12 months, but if we didn't allocate that time, it would not
1: happen. Definitely. No, I I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, You know, if you want to do something and you are a busy person, you have to make a time for it in your schedule. Like you can't just sort of magically wish it will happen um, because in that case, then someday is going to be a synonym for never. Um, But if you are willing to say, well, you know, oh, we should do more stuff as a couple. Okay. Okay here's three hours on Friday night where we are committing to do something as a couple. Well, that's far more likely to happen than just sort of vaguely expressing that wish.
0: Yeah. And I think that I really love the idea of the weekly spreadsheet. I'm going to give that a go. I'm a bit nervous about doing it, but I'm going to give it a go. So for our listeners that we know that we are creatures of habit, how does one uh, become adaptable to change, and let's say they're going to do this spreadsheet, a weekly spreadsheet, just to have a look at where they invest their time. What would you like to say to those that resist change?
1: Well, there's, you know, you don't have to change if you don't want to. I mean, if life's great, you go for it. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what I think or anyone else thinks. It's your life, so live it as you wish. Um, the, it's only a matter if you think there's something about your life that you actually do want to change. Um, that that's where this all becomes handy. I mean, you know, if you don't feel anything needs to change, don't worry about it. Um, but if there is something that you feel is taking too much time or taking too little time, uh then just start small. you know don't don't assume that overnight you will become the sort of person who exercises an hour a day because you will not. Um, you probably are also not the person who's going to read war and Peace instead of watching TV if that has not been your habit up until this time. You're not going to magically make family dinner happen every night. But maybe your decision is that you want to do it one night a week. You want to have one family dinner a week. Awesome. Well, let's, let's try that this week. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't, see what went wrong and how you can address those logistical problems. Um, you know, instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour every day, why don't you say, well, one day this week, I'm going to wake up early and go to the gym. See how it goes. You know, if it goes great, awesome. Maybe you can stick with it. If it doesn't work, again, evaluate why it didn't work. Like was the expectation wrong. Like there's are there things going on in the morning that you have to get to and so you can't do this? Like, you know, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe you need to go walk at lunch. That that would be a better thing for your life. You know, but if you approach this with the spirit of starting small and approach it in a spirit of curiosity, just to see what works, what doesn't, no judgment, you're far more likely to make change stick.
0: Mm, I like that. And the reason I was asking that is because quite often when I work with men, women, especially women and women that have children, uh, they don't invest time on themselves. And, you know, quite often when we sit down together and say, okay, what is it that you want for yourself? They can't give themselves that answer because they've never thought about themselves. So when we're talking about investing time on self and being intentional about whether it's exercising or meditating, whatever that may be um, that's a change for them. And there's a lot of guilt around that too. It's like, if I don't do this for my family or don't show up for my children, um, you know, I feel guilty that I'm not being a good mother. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I think it's kind of ridiculous.
1: Um, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I just, it's so far from my perspective that I just, it's, it's hard to even understand. Um, because I see like, you know, people's time logs and, and, and people will, you know, it doesn't even have to be a category like that. I mean, people are like, you know, I have no time for myself, and yet they're like on Twitter posting about how they have no time for themselves. I'm like, well, you're on Twitter. Like, if you have time for that, you have time to read a book you want to read. If you are, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think this is an oversold idea that we have no time for ourselves. Um, you know, people will tell you they have no leisure time and then their time logs show all sorts of things that are. It's just, you know, our story is that we're we have no leisure time where we're put upon. So that's what we that's what we look for. Um, if if you would, you know, again, though, if if you are feeling like this is truly you, like you you cannot take a second away Um, you know, again, like use little bits of time. We all have those five minute chunks of time during the day. Like, you know, you're waiting for a phone call to start. Read a book during that time instead of something else. You know, we're usually just on our phones. So read a book during that time, put an ebook on your phone and read that. Um, That's one way to start getting little bits of time. Um, If you have some time after your uh, kids go to bed Maybe see if you can spend the first half hour of that doing something that you find kind of fun for you. And then after that, do whatever it is that you feel you are, you know, supposed to be doing. Um, but, you know, just start small and you see how it goes. And you probably will feel less like the world is ending than you might imagine. Mm. It reminds me of the
0: book, The Slight Edge, where uh, in the book they were saying, like for example, reading. Even if you only did ten pages a day, or even one page a day, by the end of you know uh, the year, you'll have read so many pages a day. And so it is. I love that starting small, little steps. <clears throat> so Laura, along your journey, you've had a, 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 quite a, an adventurous life. What has been a greatest lesson for you?
1: Um, well, I really like that phrase that I mean, I use in the TED talk that I don't have time really means it's not a priority, because uh, I think that's really more accurate language. So anytime we find ourselves saying, oh, I don't have time to do this, you know, oh, I just can't make the time for this. Just try substituting the language of it's not a priority for me to do whatever it is you're not doing. And, and it may be totally true. Um, Like there's various phases of life where we can't do whatever it is for whatever reason or we are choosing not to do that for whatever reason. Um, But, you know, if it does feel like something you'd like to make a priority, then you start saying, well, how could I make this happen? And maybe not tomorrow but maybe in the next few years, you know, what could I change to make this possible? Um, And, you know, you might be surprised. I'm curious. What
0: does your day look like from a time perspective? Do you – are you one of these – Individuals, I know there's some people go, Okay, I'll do my emails in the morning, I'll do this in the afternoon. What does your time look like?
1: Well, one of the things I, I always, you know, warn people about is that there are no typical days. Um, and so whatever you describe as a typical day is more about how you choose to see yourself than it is about anything else. So I could, I would be better off describing yesterday for you, um, which was a real day, um, whereas a typical day sort of isn't. Um, I can tell you yesterday I woke up at 6 45. Um, I was uh you know spent I showered and then spent sort of the next 50 minutes doing various breakfast shifts with the kids. Um, they sort of, you know, it I used to think this was an incredibly long amount of time to spend on breakfast, but I've just sort of embraced it. You know, I talk to all the kids as they come down and eat with them. I did the middle school carpool run. Um, I did really quick um, some weights in my office. I have my resistance bands and kettlebells. I took the middle two kids to the elementary school bus. Um, My nanny came to take care of the four-year-old, and then I started work. Um, I worked pretty much from 8.30 to, oh, what was it, 5.00. with a half hour break to go run outside. That tends to be pretty typical. I usually do that in mid-afternoon when I need a break. We had family dinner. I actually did a little bit of work after that. Um, And then my husband and I went to um, the middle schoolers choir concert. Came home from that, um, you know, sent our babysitter home, and then, um, you know, did a little bit more reading, read the kids' stories, put them to bed. actually did a lot of reading at night because, you know, I was into my book and then went to bed at 11.15.
0: Wow. You do pack in a lot in your day. That's amazing. Very productive. So the other thing, Laura, that we love to ask our women of inspiration is about pain points. We believe we all have pain points. So what would be one of your biggest pain point or pain points? And how do you stumble upon a solution?
1: Well, one of the things that, you know, I find um, frustrating, and I know a lot of people find frustrating is what to do with your time when you have very low energy um, and you're sort of constrained in what you can do. So either, you know, you're home with your kids, so you can't actually leave um, or, you know, you're, you're feeling like you have no energy for anything. Like, what can you do with the time? And And so the reason I think a lot of us do spend a lot of time in sort of electronic distractions is that they are very, very easy to fill that time. Um, but there's a couple of things that you do. One is to figure out things that are possible to do even with not a huge amount of energy. So, I mean, among the things I enjoy doing is like puzzles. Uh, I like doing that. I also like reading. So I try to make sure I always have a book, um, that I'm working on because if I have a book, I'm more likely to read it. Whereas if I don't have anything I'm reading, then I'll spend the time doing something else, you know, and usually it's not something particularly, uh, you know, enjoyable or meaningful, but I've also found um, and I'd encourage people to think about this: is that um, we draw energy from meaningful things. So if I've planned to do something interesting in the evening, like go, you know, tonight we actually have tickets to a, an event at the local science museum that we're bringing um, most of the kids to. Um, you know, I, I don't entirely feel like doing that right now. Like you know, we're, we're recording this late in the workday. It's been a long workday. I've been dealing with a bunch of like home renovation crap stuff and. I, you know, I don't particularly feel like going at the moment, but I'm going to go anyway. Um, and when I go, I'm actually going to enjoy myself because I almost always do. And I will be energized by doing this. Um, so sometimes you can also just decide to plan in stuff and do it anyway, even if you don't terribly feel like it, um, knowing that you'll probably be happy after the fact that you did it. Um, and, and so then you do more interesting things in your life.
0: Mm, so true. I, I experienced, as you were saying, that I've experienced so many times where I've gone, oh, I wish I'd said no, I can't be bothered. And when I go, I think that was fantastic. So, Laura, the other thing that we love to ask is that there's this, you know, this um, and I, I wouldn't say it's just a belief system. It is something that is talked about and I think it doesn't matter where you are in the world that you're likely to survive business within the first 12 months. So what do you think is a number one reason or reasons individuals, entrepreneurs uh, fail to succeed in business in the first 12 months?
1: Well, I think there's lots of reasons and some of them have nothing to do with you. I mean, right. It's uh, the larger economy is is always an issue. There could be um, less demand for a service than you think. There could be um, some new technology that comes by that that completely changes what people are looking for. Um, So, you know, if you are going to survive the first 12 months, a, a key thing is to be flexible. Um, You definitely want to have an idea of what success looks like for you so you can aim toward that, but you do have to be willing to pivot if it becomes clear that success could look like something else, right? Uh, I think it's when you hold too fast to the original idea, even in the face of feedback you're getting from customers and clients and things like that, that that things can be a problem. You know, you might still not succeed. I mean, it can always happen, but, uh, you know, being willing to evaluate what's happening and change as needed is incredibly important.
0: Mm, I love that. And I think that just from, um, you know, having a look at how much you do, uh, it's about investing your time on the right, in the right areas of your business too.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that, um, You know, and so many people are in business for themselves, even if you don't entirely think of yourself this way, because even if you work for someone else, you probably won't forever, which means that you're really more in a um, need to be more in an entrepreneurial mindset than you might think. Um, which means that you can't just be content doing whatever it is you're doing right now. You always need to be thinking about, well, what skills do I have? Uh, How can I get better at these skills? How can I build my relationships with people in my organization and outside my organization? How can I become known for these things, you know, build up my platform? Um, And and I think a lot of people don't think about spending time on those things, um, but that's where the long-term career growth comes from.
0: Absolutely. So Laura, if you were to go back in time, what would you say to your younger self?
1: Um, Well, I think my younger self would be thrilled that I am writing books and being up on stage speaking and things like that. Um, I would say that, you know, I particularly noticed when I was first a, a parent, you know, when I first had my first child many years ago, that a lot of um, the work life literature I was reading was quite negative. You know, it seems to be that you know no one will be able to build a satisfying career and have a happy home life like don't you dare think you can pull these two things off? you'll just be a harried mess and I've largely found that that is not the case I don't know <laughs> maybe some people have different reactions to it, but I've really enjoyed uh you know building my business and raising my family, and I really don't see any contradiction between the two, so you know I'd go back and say, Yeah what you think is actually right. Like don't listen to all these other people who are just, you know, taking out their own, you know, thoughts on you for whatever reason. Mm,
0: I like that. Um, The other thing, Laura, that we love to ask our woman of inspiration as we wrap up the show is to ask you what would be that one word that best describes your personal
1: brand? Um. You know, I, I, it's hard to think of one word, but what, what I do like is just practical. Um, you know, I'm not denying that there are big, larger forces in the world. I'm not denying that everything is wonderful for, you know, anyone, um, that there's various reasons that there may be larger social forces that are, you know, headwinds against various people's success. And it's fine to spend time fighting those. But I think in the meantime, we can also think about, well, what can I personally do to make sure that I am living my best life possible? Um, and I really like to focus on on practical solutions. So, um, you know, yes, it would be great if life were easier for working parents and society was set up more to help that. But on the other hand, in the meantime, if you're feeling like you'd like to spend time with your kids in the evening, you could talk about leaving work at a reasonable time and doing some of the work at night after they go to bed, right? Like that's a solution you could do, say, two, three nights a week to make sure that you get the, the best of both worlds. Um, you know, so I, I think it's uh, I like to focus on what we can do in the near term in our own lives to make things better.
0: I like that, practical. And the other thing that we love to ask our women of inspiration as we wrap up the show is to share three shiny golden nuggets with our listeners. So what are those three practical exercises that you would like to leave with our audience today?
1: Well, one is to try tracking your time, um, because I really do think you will learn a lot. Um, The other is setting your intentions for the day. So say three things at work and two things in your home life that you would like to do in any given day. And the third is coming up with something you can do in those low energy moments, other than just scrolling around on social media. Because if you choose something else, you will probably have a lot more joy and meaning in your life.
0: Mm, I love that. And I am going to uh, track your time. Uh, do you have a spreadsheet that you share with your audience for tracking time? I do. Mm.
1: Yes, you can just go to my website, uh, lauravandercam.com. And if you fill out the subscription form, then I'll I'll mail you the various different forms. You can get it in PDF, Excel, 15 minute, 30 minute, whatever you'd like.
0: Oh, Fantastic. So we'll have that in the show notes. And is that the best place for our listeners to find you?
1: is on lauravandercam.com yeah you you can learn all about my books and my various uh, podcasts as well
0: thank you so much laura we'll have all of those links in the show notes for coming on the show sharing your wealth of wisdom and definitely got me thinking about my time Uh, and thank you for your time and energy
1: thank you so much for having me
0: thank you where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an e-book to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Katherineplano.